From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders and business people like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host with over 30 years experience in the trenches. That means I actually freaking do this stuff. It's not theory. We make payroll around here on Friday like you do. Well, it's actually not Friday. It's 1st and 15th. But either way, I mean, you know, the deal is we're in here doing it like you are. This is not a, uh, a think tank on leadership. It's not theoretical stuff. It's actually people that do this stuff. So thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you being here. I'm gonna... Open phones, call in, and we will make you part of the program. Leave us a voicemail at 844-944-1070, 844 1070. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Zach is going to start this episode in Cambridge, Nebraska. Hi, Zach. How are you? Hey, Dave. I'm good. Thank you for having me on today. My pleasure. How can I help? Yeah. Hey, uh, so I am the owner of uh, two kind of small town grocery stores. I have a 25% ownership in the store. Uh, the other 75% ownership is actually my parents. Um, and last year, our revenue, uh, my wife and I, I guess I should say, our revenue last year was we took home about $140,000. Um, and so my question for you is, my parents are looking to kind of retire, and we are trying to look at trying to buy another 50 or another 25% of the ownership, or of the, and, and that will put us at 50% owners. And we are kind of valuing that about $500,000 is what it would be to purchase that other 25%. And I know you have uh, experience in that and uh, having family members come up and take over the reins. So I'm just kind of curious to give some input on your behalf on uh, some of the ways that we can do that without having to go to the bank to take out money at an 8.5% interest rate right now. Which would be suicidal. Um, Agreed. The uh, Why only 25%? Why not buy the whole thing? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know why, um, you know, my parents are, they're trying to look at this is still have a little bit of a revenue stream, um, to come in. And this is two small grocery stores as well. So we are definitely in like the, the treadmill operator stage, um, on both of the stores. Um, logistically, it, it would be tough for me to try to run both of them, uh, right now. Anyway, if they're going to retire, somebody's got to run them. Yeah. Very true. I mean, he's not, Pop's not working anymore. So who's going to run the other store? You know, that's a, there is people in place there that could definitely um, run the store. Okay. Um, it's just a matter, I think of coaching them up enough in the next couple of years or whatever yeah. the case may be to run the store. Yeah. Before, before you buy it, that's got to happen. You got to have somebody to run it because yeah. he's good because he's going to retire, whether it's 25% or 75%. So um, if we were to run the P&L on the stores, the profit and loss statement on the stores mm -hmm. with a manager running the other store and you running the store that you're in, what is the net profit after those expenses? Not paying dad anything because dad's gone. Uh, what would be yep. the net profit? So last year, the, the net profit, if you would just go for both stores, the net profit probably for last year, both stores was around $400,000. Okay. All right. And so this is worth... Yeah, 500 is probably pretty close for a fourth of it. Okay. 
No, it's not either. Wait a minute. No, it's not worth $2 million. No, 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 no. I wouldn't pay 5X. Not with that. Um, probably worth 4X. So you might have it a little bit overpriced. Uh, but anyway, l let's, uh, let's pretend we settled instead of on $2 million, we settled on $1.5 million being the actual value. You already own 25%. Correct. Um, so... Uh, well, let's call it, let's call it 1.6 for easy math. All right. So you own 400 of that. You owe them 1.2 and it makes 400. You could pay them out in three years if you gave them all the profits. Okay. So the deals that we have structured and shown people to do for years, do you have brothers and sisters that are there other heirs? Exactly. There are other family members that have Maybe one um, sister-in-law has expressed some interest into the business. She does currently work for me um, at our store. Uh, her husband um, has not necessarily shown interest. And then, yes, I do have other two other siblings, but they are not interested at all in the, the grocery business. Okay, so if you bought the whole thing and mom and dad got paid fairly, is anybody going to be torqued off? One would hope not, I guess. Well, yeah, you'd hope not, but that wasn't what I asked. I just, you, yeah. Are they really going to get sideways? Because you're getting ready to announce this if we do the deal. Okay, so let's pretend that um, th that we value the 75% remaining at 1.2 for the fun of it. Okay, you can do whatever you want to do. Y'all come, But here's how we've skinned the cat. Here's how we've done it before. Instead of getting tied into a fixed monthly or annual payment, on a fixed amount of debt, then uh, COVID happens or something happens and uh, you get a competitor in across the street or some kind of an unseen variable hits you guys between the eyes uh, and, and your profits go way down and suddenly you can't even make the payments that you owe your parents. That gets really problematic. Instead, what the formula we've done is, is we said something like, we're going to, I'm going to continue to make 140. I'm going to pay the other manager and that should generate $400,000 net profit after those two things are done. That's what you told me, right? Yep. And so dad, we're going to give you 80% of the net profit until we get to a million two. The other 20% is held back for retained earnings. Okay. And so... If you did that, that's going to take you three and a half years. Okay. If you give him 80% of the profit. Every month, you close the books, you hold 20% for retained earnings, you pay yourself the same salary you've always made, and you buy him out of the 75%. He takes that money and invests it and lives off the investments. And, and Dave, you said you do that every month type of deal. So every month you would close the books, 80% would be paid, and 20% continue. That's what I would do. I'm making that number up. It could be 90. Yeah. It can be 75. But you need to give a big, hairy chunk so this doesn't go on for years. Sure. It's done very quick. I like it in a three- or a four-year period of time. You're clear. Okay. Because it is very – I mean, because as long as he's worried about the profits, he's going to be in your business. It'd be very sure. hard for him to – stand back and say nothing. He's going to have blood trickling down the side of his mouth because he's biting his tongue. He's going to be questioning everything you've done. You've been working okay. together a long time. He trusts you, but he now his livelihood is dependent on your business acumen 
to create this. And it, so I want to shorten the time that that stress is on your all's relationship by giving them the most I can give them reasonably. Okay. 90%, 80%, something like that to where that we sure that the more we give them, obviously the less time this deal is going to go. And then he's going to have to take that money and turn around and invest it in good mutual funds with a good smart investor pro and, you know, get set up here to take care of himself because he's not going to live out of the stores his whole life. Yep. Now in our case at Ramsey, we didn't do any of that. The, uh, all we did was just give it to the kids. The kids already own 99% of the, of this business. I own 1% and I own the only voting stock. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I'm still in control. I can still do whatever I want to do. I can still pay myself the whole thing, which I do, all that stuff. So, but, but at some point when I'm done, either dead or whatever, uh, just, I, I've been managing this for God. They get the opportunity to manage it for God. I don't need money out of it to live. My wife doesn't need money out of it to live. I will wander off into the sunset in some form or fashion, and they will become the owners. And they paid, and they paid nothing for it. But I paid nothing for it either. God gave it to me, so. There you go. Yeah. That, yeah. But that's different in this case that your dad's going to need some money. This is his asset. He probably doesn't have a bunch of other money. Um, and so you're probably going to pay him something and your brothers and sisters are going to want their share or, or, uh, your parents are probably, I don't care what your brothers and sisters want. It's not their money, but your parents are probably going to want to leave some money to the other kids and not just give you the grocery store. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. That's fair. I mean, that that's reasonable. Uh, but then, then once this deal is done, I want y'all to tell everybody what the deal is. All the brothers and sisters, the in-laws, everything. This is what the deal is. Okay. And then if you choose to treat one of your team members, which happens to be your sister-in-law, uh, give her somehow the opportunity to buy into these stores over the years, that's up to you. Okay. But it's not a requirement of the deal for me. I wouldn't do, I, you know, it's... You know, she's not blood, and it's not hers. I mean, I, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, Y'all can make this up as you go. But I would not go and borrow $1.2 million on an SBA loan, and then the first time things turn down, um, you're cleaning the Campbell's soup off the shelves trying to stay open. That uh, just scares the crap out of me. No way I'm doing that deal. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, by this time of year, you've set goals for your business, communicated them to your team, and are making them happen together. But while you're busy getting after it, don't forget the primary goal of every single one of your employees, to get paid on time and in the right amount. Payroll, it isn't the most fun part of your business, but it's probably the most necessary. So skip the payroll stress and check out Payority. They're a comprehensive payroll company that does it all for you. Just send Payority some basic info, and they handle everything else. Direct deposits, deductions, reimbursements, tax filings, forms, all the things. If your business has 1 to 100 employees, Payority is perfect for you. And if you need support, you talk to an actual human who cares about helping you, saving you time, increasing your profitability, and giving you some very necessary peace of mind. Plus, Payority makes switching payroll providers easy. Go to payority.com slash entree leadership today for a free consultation. That's payority.com slash entree leadership.
Hey, gang, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably heard me or other callers mention the stages of business from treadmill operator all the way through to legacy builder. There's five stages. And how do you find out what stage you're in? Well, the Entree Leadership Team just released our new and improved stage of business assessment. It'll help you easily and accurately and free identify exactly where your business is today. And then you'll know what to work on to level up and move to the next stage and get the best possible results. Continue to progress in your business acumen. Yeah. Click the link in the show notes or go to entreleadership.com and find out which stage of business you're in. The assessment is completely free. You got to check it out. Hey, we want you to join us and be part of this program. Dial the number at 844-944-1070. Leave a voicemail. Our team will get back with you and set you up to be a caller. That's exactly what happened to Matt. He's in Tahoe City, California. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call, Dave. My pleasure, sir. How can I help today? Um, my question for today is uh, I'm curious if I should set up a separate company or an LLC to lease equipment and vehicles back to my uh, various businesses that I own. It doesn't serve any purpose except risk management. There's no tax okay. advantage to it. Why would you do this? My thought is, is that some of the businesses that I own, I, I own a primary underground utility contracting business, which is my main bread and butter. Um, in addition to that, I also have several properties that I mainly they're just rental properties that I need to do some overall, what's called general improvements to. Um, and so my thought is, is I can rent equipment for that particular LLC and spend a lot of money on that, which I will not recoup. Or I could purchase it and then use those those same pieces of equipment, basically lease them for those particular projects, and then use them on the other businesses without, you know, just, just as a way to kind of keep things straight. And then also, as you lease those pieces of equipment, that allows to, to pay those pieces of equipment off. It also um, creates funds then for purchasing other equipment down the road. There's no magic money being created here, man. You realize that. It's your money. You're just swapping pockets with it. Okay. It didn't, it didn't create money by doing this. I mean, okay, let, you're going to go buy a, Give me an example of one of the pieces of equipment. What is it? Uh, like an excavator, like a mini excavator. Okay. What's that cost? Uh, $50,000. Okay. You go spend 50,000 bucks, write a check and you buy an ex excavator. Okay. And, and okay. Th then you, you're, if you want to give the $50,000 back to yourself from one of your other entities, you're just moving money around. It's still the same $50,000 excavator and you still own it. So if you just bought it and then depreciate it, write it off like you do with a normal piece of equipment in a normal business, and then you use it for whatever you need to use it for in business. But it's not, or, or it may be, depending on what it is, you may be able to expense it in 179. I don't know. You have to talk to your tax accountant about that. But, um, but it's not, you know, paying yourself payment from one, a payment to lease back equipment that you already bought from yourself is just swapping pockets. You're just moving from the front pocket to the back pocket to the front pocket. You're just moving it around. It didn't, it didn't create any money. Okay. If you reached it to somebody else, it would create money. 
but I don't, I'm not going to recommend you go into the equipment leasing business. I think you've got enough businesses running. Okay. Uh, same thing with vehicles then as well. So exactly. Course, same thing. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's because they don't, cre- it doesn't create money. I mean, now if you, if you're going to buy a piece of equipment and you're worried that someone would get hurt on it and, um, sue you and you might lose something, then that's fine. Put that in an LLC from a risk management perspective and then make sure you've got good insurance on it as well. Uh, in that regard, I don't own anything anymore. I'm re- rather poor personally. I don't have a single thing I own, Mike. I don't own cars. I don't own anything. Everything is in an LLC or a sub-S corp or a trust of some kind. Something else owns everything. And so then, like, for instance, the pieces of real estate that you mentioned, okay, um, we'll put about $10 million worth of real estate in a single LLC, and after that, that's too big a target. After that, I don't want $20 million in there unless it's uh, got some other kind of structure to it because if somebody falls and breaks their face getting drunk off the back porch and then decides it's my fault and sues the owner of that property for liability because they had a back porch, then uh, welcome to America, right? And uh, then uh, they can only get, if they won, the things that that LLC owns because that property is not owned by Dave Ramsey. It's owned by such and such LLC. You follow me? Yeah, and so I think that was the second part of it is just separating out some of the liability. Yeah, that's risk management, and that that I wouldn't mind if you want to do that. Like all my cars are in an LLC. All of my vehicles are in a separate LLC. So if there's a car wreck, the LLC's got a problem. It's got insurance. We got normal insurance, right. but if some goober happened to get some kind of wrongful death thing or something, he's going to get a bunch of cars. That's it. Because that's not, the LLC. The the owner of that car is not me. That you follow me. Right. So that that's risk management, but it doesn't create any cash by doing that. By you paying yourself rent for something, uh, it'd be like you that's buying right. a building and paying yourself rent. You know you. You, you already own the building, but you can pay yourself rent. I pay myself rent here because it's a separate entity that owns the building, but it doesn't create income for the entity that's involved. It, it's all, I mean, for the overarching thing called Dave Ramsey, there's only, I own all of it ultimately, and I'd be swapping pockets and that's all you're going to be doing with that. So yeah, it's there. There's no magic pill to this stuff, man. Go make a bunch of money. Go do business well. Go help people. Those kinds of things are where your money comes from, not from gyrations with purchased equipment. And you may not need to be buying this piece of equipment, by the way, because I think you said something about you were going to borrow on it. I didn't smack you for that, but I could later. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. 
So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business. Absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash Ramsey. That's NetSuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. Thanks for being with us here on the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Real world advice for people that are in the real world. You want to call and talk business? We'd love to have you do that. Andrew sends us in a question. He says, I run a graphic design company and print shop that does graphic design for clothing, some web design. We print a lot of the clothing ourselves on local orders. I've got 32 employees, six of which graduated college within the last couple of years. In some of my conversations with them, they've told me how stressed they are about having to pay their student loans soon. They ask for overtime, and when I can't give it to them, they've told me that they're going to have to pick up extra work that will affect their hours working at my shop. I've heard, uh, wait a minute, if they can't work overtime, they shouldn't be affecting their hours at your shop. They're either working at your shop or they're not. So if you, they want extra pay. Uh, I've heard about tuition reimbursement and employer student loan payment plans as an option to use as an added benefit for my employees, but I don't know how to structure that in my benefits package for them. Do you have pointers on how I could get this started so that I can help my employees and keep the good team that I have. Well, thanks. That's pretty cool. You got a good heart for your team. You're a good man. You manage the business well. Very cool. Now, what happened is they um, recently passed this new law. Let me find the name of it here. I had to look it up. The Consolidated Appropriations Act, whatever the crap that means, but it is a new law anyway, that says that now an employer can pay up to $5,250 a year of student loan debt for an employee as a benefit. Now, benefits that you give employees are always tax deductible, and benefits that you give employees are not part of payroll tax. So you don't owe payroll tax on it. The employee doesn't, uh, you know, you don't have, uh, and you get a tax deduction on anything you do for your employees that's expensable like that. Okay, so they make a big deal in the articles. If, if you look it up, oh, it's uh, no payroll tax. Well, of course there's no payroll tax. There's no payroll tax when you buy health insurance for them. There's no payroll tax when you buy disability insurance for the team. Any other stuff like that. And, and, of course, it's deductible. Of course it's deductible. It's a freaking business expense. All those other things. I, my health, when I buy health insurance for the team, it's, it's tax deductible because it's an expense of doing business. It's part of the cost of having a team. So, of course, it's a deductible. Doesn't, it's not subject to payroll tax up to $5,250. Now, downside. It feels weird, especially in a super small company like this, to offer to pay people student loans what's that how's that fair to the people that don't have student loans like these guys got themselves in a pinch so you're going to create a benefit for six people out of 32 the rest of them get nothing uh i think you may be having some unintended consequences with culture inside this team i wouldn't do that Okay. Uh, now, what you can do that solves that, but you're going to increase your overhead if you want to do all this. Okay. And I don't know why you don't just offer them overtime instead. It'd be a lot easier. But um, 
I mean, if you're going to give somebody 5,000 bucks, why not pay them 5,000 bucks to work over? I mean, give them overtime and let them go do it. It's the same thing, right? It's all tax deductible. Uh, now that would be subject to payroll tax, but both are tax deductible. So you, that's one answer. You could do that and just skip this whole fad thing of paying, helping people pay student loans. If you're going to do it, I would do it with a, what's called a flex plan, a 125 cafeteria plan. Now that is where you give all employees a certain amount of money to buy benefits with, and they can buy time off with it and add to their PTO. They can buy health insurance with it. They can put extra money in their 401k as a match. You can do a lot of, and they get to choose how they use this number of dollars. They can use it for a student loan payment. Okay. And you could put a match with it and say, if you pay on your student loans, then I'll pay. And you're not obligated to do the five, five, full $5,250 a year either. So, uh, but it's not going to matter much if you do like a thousand bucks a piece, you'd have been better off and it'd have been a lot simpler in your life to just simply add some overtime. So you're going to be out of pocket to help them anyway. I think it's easier just to let them work and let them, you know, yeah, I'll give you the opportunity to do this. You want to and work, turn some extra money and, or you're just going to give them some money for not working as an extra benefit. And either one's okay. I'm not mad about you being nice to your employees. You should be. You ought to be kind to them and help your team and that kind of stuff. But if you do that, you probably need to get with a benefits manager of some kind and put a flex plan in place so that everyone gets access to this money, even the people that don't have student loans. The people that don't have student loans can use it for other things in their benefits package. And that's how I would structure it. Um, but, see, you've just raised your overhead for 32 people, not for six people when you do that. If you simply offered some overtime to these six people who got trouble, then you, you didn't raise your overhead so much, and you accomplished the goal of helping them with their student loan debt. Um, so that's the thing. Student loans coming due in October is stressing the crud out of people. Uh, so you can join me, Rachel Cruz, and Jade Warshaw. We're going to be doing a student loan live stream on September the 12th. It's completely free. And we want you to watch this event. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash student loans and register for the free live stream. And we're going to be talking about what to do, how to deal with the fact as individuals that you've got these student loans coming due uh, and they're going to start back and they're, you know, it's coming in October. It's been coming for a long time. It shouldn't be a surprise. Christmas is always in December, but it's coming and we're going to help you with it. So student loan live stream, September 12th. If you want to watch that for free, we'd recommend it. It's going to be good. Me and Rachel Jade are going to do that. Uh, RamseySolutions.com slash student loans. Tyler is in Oklahoma City. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. What's up? Oh, not a lot. Thanks for taking my call, Dave. I've been uh, listening since 2020. Um, big fan, but I am a 21-year-old uh, uh, owner of a business that is going to do a little over uh, $3 million in revenue this year. Way um, to go, and, dude. Well, thank you. Um, and I am uh, wondering, uh, we have a young corporate team. Um, we're very inexperienced in the industry, but we've made it this far, obviously. And uh, I'm wanting to know how to take that inexperience in the uh, being so young and turn that into uh, a great uh, team that can break through that average ceiling. Wow. 
Well, you already broke through the average ceiling. I mean, you're 21 years old and got $3 million business. That's way above average. So congrats, stud. Proud of you. What kind of business is this? It's a smoothie bowl uh, and smoothie shop. Um, we kind of, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to travel growing up, and I tried some uh, smoothie bowls from uh, places like Hawaii and Florida and California and just kind of took that and uh, brought the culture of the islands uh, back to Oklahoma, uh, where there's obviously not an ocean anywhere in sight. How and, many uh, stores have you got to do $3 million worth of smoothie bowl? We uh, we just opened up our sixth one in March. Uh, we started in Yeah, we started in the back of a boutique, kind of like how you started on a card table. Uh, and I was a senior in high school, Man. and my dad. Uh, I told my dad I didn't want to go to college, and uh, we talked through some options, and we bought a name and a freezer and a fridge and a blender, and just kind of made it work. What a country, America! Oh right? my gosh. 21 years old and $3 million worth of smoothie bowl. I'm so impressed. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. And a great question you've got. Okay. So you're running six stores. You've got managers. Uh, What's the size of your corporate staff? So we, uh, we recently just downsized, uh, to me as the, uh, CEO. Um, and then we have a VPO, uh, and a controller, and then my dad is our CFO. Uh, he owns a, an accounting firm uh, in the same town I live in, so he kind of oversees our finances. But just four people total. You have six. You have six store managers. We do have. Uh, we have. Well, one of them is a franchise store, so they're they're responsible for that. Um, so we have five corporate stores and four store managers. One of them doubles up on two stores. So you're already franchising this. Yes, sir. We have one franchise. Um, and honestly, we're in the process of getting more. And I was going to ask you a little bit more on that too later. Okay. Um, my goodness gracious. All right. Um, well, I, I think you're on the right track. Obviously you're pretty incredible and I'm so proud of you. Way, very well done. Uh, the, the thing is this, you can never read enough or learn enough when you're in a growth curve like this. And so, Everything that Jim Collins writes, everything that Simon Sinek writes, everything that Malcolm Gladwell writes, um, and everything John Maxwell writes, everything Henry Cloud writes, uh, you find people like that that are writing some of the best business leadership. Craig Groeschel, start listening to his leadership podcast. Um, Everything like that that you can get a hold of and start learning anything about leadership, any of the nuanced areas of leadership and of growth, and just make the team leadership junkies, and you become a leadership junkie. When I was your age, well, no, I was when I was at your stage of business, I was older than you in this business by the time I got there, but I, I like I, I, John Maxwell back then had a tape of the month. Um, they, we, they used to have these things, Tyler called cassette tapes and, um, he would put out this cassette tape, maximum impact, and I would get it on leadership and I would, and that got me reading every book John's ever written. John's become a friend. Oh, Pat Lencioni. Don't miss him. Everything. Pat writes, you ought to read. And so I've read every book that every one of those guys I just mentioned have written. And in the process, all of them have also become friends, For in my case, because we all are in the same leadership space, speaking and teaching leaders, some of the best leadership teachers in the world I just named. Uh, and I'm on that list. 
because they're actual people that are doing some of the best work. And so just read, 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 learn, 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 learn. And, um, and, and then the thing that you're going to experience is the discomfort of people that won't do that and you and the rest of the team and the business outgrow them and you love them. They're lovable, but they ain't keeping up. And, um, and they, the train leaves without them one day because they wouldn't even get up. They wouldn't even reach up and grab a hold of the thing as we're leaving the station, you know? And so they end up moving on and, and so just be kind and loving and they're friends, but they can't work there anymore because they won't keep up because you're going to have to grow. You're the John Maxwell talks about this. He says, you're the lid on your business. You may have heard me teach that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm the lid on my business. And the more I learn, the more I grow, um, the, the better, you know, if I don't, then the, the organization can't grow. And Correct. so you, you've got to do that, but so has your key VPO and your, uh, the, you know, your different people. So you're going to have to become an expert on franchising, which I'm not. Uh, I, I have stayed away from that. It, it's a strenuous business, but I, you're, I don't doubt you can do it. So have at it, brother. Uh, I mean, you, you guys are pretty incredible. Um, but it's, um, it, it's one my experience with franchising is it's not as, uh, wonderful as it looks from the outside, uh, because the, the, the tension you're going to run into as you grow a franchise network shifting gears here is, um, the franchisee needs the information and the process and the systems and the branding of the franchisor to get started. Then once the franchisee is successful, they tend to think they made it successful. And you tend to think all the stuff you gave them made it successful. And when they fail, the ones that fail, the franchisees that fail, they tend to think that you didn't help them enough is why they failed. And you tend to think they failed because they screwed up. And the truth is somewhere in the middle on all of this, but there becomes this tension that they forget why we got married. They forget why you love, why they loved you at the start. Once they start being successful and they start to strut around and act like they did it by themselves and they didn't do it by themselves. And then they don't want to pay the royalties or they want to, you know, they want to open up something in competition with you in violation of about 63 things in the agreement, and you end up in lawsuits. And so there's all kinds of issues like that you're going to run into. So you've got to manage that relationship and warn the franchisee that, listen, it will not be successful without you, and it will not be successful without me. You will not lose. You will not fail if I have anything to do with it. But you can certainly cause it to fail by not working, by not treating the customer right, by not treating your team right. You can do a, you can run a business poorly, and I can't keep you from screwing it up. And so you get to have these discussions with franchisees as you move forward, and it's it's a um, it's a whole nother group of relationships to manage in a whole nother strenuous way. Uh, in addition to the other stuff you get to do running the business, so. That's why some organizations have chosen to just stay with company stores instead of going the franchise route. You may or may not decide to do that. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying it's not all Skittles and rainbows. 
There, there's stuff there that's that's real that you've got to get through. So I sure hope it works for you because you're an absolutely incredible young man. I'm so proud of you. Very, very, very well done. That is good stuff. I love it. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. We just got back from Summit 2024 in Dallas, and it was absolutely incredible, y'all. If you missed it, you don't want to miss the next one. Me and a few thousand small business leaders are going to Denver next May to hear from John Maxwell, Pat Lincioni, Dr. John Deloney, and many, many more. Plus, for the first time ever, we're doing reserved seating. The sooner you lock in your tickets, the better your seats will be. But hundreds of tickets are already gone. So don't wait. Go to entreleadership.com slash summit to reserve your seats today. Thank you for joining us, America. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Hunter is in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Hunter. Welcome to the show. How can I help? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm a small business owner, uh, like you said, in Columbus, Ohio. I uh, own and operate an audiovisual production company, projected to do 180000 this year, and I have three part-time employees. I've got tons of customers that are constantly late. Uh, when should I put my foot down and start charging customers late fees? I'm always worried about my reputation. Uh, you already have a reputation of being weak, right? Um. Yeah, because they're getting like, away like, with it, so they already know it. Yeah. So we have to change yeah. that reputation. That, so what I discovered on collections problems is I don't have a collections problem. I have a sales problem. You need to sell this differently on the front end. Okay. So if you're going to be an advertiser on the Ramsey Show or on the Entree Leadership Podcast, let me tell you when you pay early or I take you off. That's my reputation. Okay. We don't put up with that crap. And so if you got a problem and you call us, we're not without mercy. That's not the issue. But this thing of you're just sloppy or you think that we're somebody that doesn't do. No, we tell you on the front end, when you sign Mm -hmm. up to be an advertiser, you're going to pay on time. We do not have grace and mercy on this. We are, that's not who we are. We have an arrangement when we said it's the money. So you need to pay five days early just in case the check gets bumped around in the mail or something or, you know, right. And so I have, I discovered that advertising is particularly advertising agencies, which by and large suck. Um, they'll pay whenever they freaking want to. Well, then they don't get to be on our show. Their clients can't be on our show because we don't do that. We're going to pay you in 90 days. No, you're not. You're going to pay me now on time, five days early. And that's how we set the sale up that way. Listen, Mm -hmm. because we, you do such a good job. Just say, Hey, listen, I'm in the way I would couch it. If I'm you, the next time you're booking a client say, Hey, listen, I discovered something that I'm not, our, our services aren't for everybody because some people don't want to deal with us and and we really want to do this deal with you. And we're so glad you called us. Thank you. And we're going to do an amazing job, but we're a tiny little business. It's me and some part-timers. And if you don't pay me early or, or exactly on time, it crushes our business. And so I can't do this if you don't understand that we have to be paid 
early or on time. And then if they're five days late, you call and go, hey, you remember that conversation that I said right, we're small yeah. businesses and you're crushing us? Now you're crushing us. You remember that part? So, dude, I need to swing by the office this afternoon, pick up a check. Can you have it ready for me? And so what you're doing is creating a different relationship, a different habit pattern with the customers. Just booking them and then being shocked that they pay late because they pay everybody late, is that's on you. That's not on them because they're just acting like they normally act. So you have to retrain the customer at the purchase, at the point of purchase, on how the sale is going to occur. In some cases, you may want to change terms with some of these people and say, you know, in order for me to put you on the calendar, I got to have a half up front. Right. And that, that's what it normally is. They sign a contract with us. Um, and most of the late payers are going to be corporate organizations and nonprofits. And the problem that I run into is that they don't like late fees because it, it, you know, messes up their bookkeeping. No, I, I don't need late fees. I, I need the money. I don't want late fees. I want to be paid on time. And right, so, right. again, you have to retrain the person. You're still dealing with a point of contact inside that nonprofit or inside that corporate America, and you have to explain to that person that's in there, this is how this deal is going to work. So I'm going to call you on day two if I don't have my money. I don't want a late fee. I want my money. And, and okay. if you can't do that, we don't need to do the deal, man. Because it's going to be, it's going to aggravate the crap out of you and me, and we don't need aggravation. We just want to do a good job for you. And, and exactly, you need to fire a couple of these because they're never going to get their crap straight. And I have taken people off of the show over the thirty years I've done the radio show. We've taken them off because they just can't seem to get their act together. And I am not going to spend my life stressing about someone else who can't stay organized and pay their dadgum bills on time. On a financial show. Hello. Oh my gosh. How irony is that? How much irony is that? So yeah, but I discovered I was trying to be nice because I'm a sales guy and I was trying to make the sale and I was making it in such a, uh, in such a, a, a weak way that I wasn't letting them value the relationship. And then they thought they could just do whatever the crap they want to do. And so you're setting the tone of the relationship wrong. Uh, when you do that okay. and, and you're ultimately not being nice because then you're aggravated with them and rightfully so. But yeah, some of these people, it is their, it is their modus operandi to be disorganized and pay late because they just forget and they're not in, you know, but as soon as you, they get an invoice from you, they're going to remember this conversation or they'll remember the other conversation where you called them a day later and go, uh, okay, where is this? I need, can I just do an auto draft of some kind? I mean, you know, can you, you, you want to Venmo me? How you want to do it? Cause I need to go ahead and collect now, uh, because you're killing me. You guys are a big deal over there and I'm a tiny little guy and you're crushing me by not paying me. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's very few people that you have to endure their disorganization. And I, we have chosen not to work with large organizations big companies that just refuse to pay on time. They think that they can just get away with it because they're so-and-so. And we just like, life's too short, man. You're fired as a customer. I'm not putting up with this crap. And I can't seem to retrain you to make you behave. And so we're done. Life's too short. 
because it, it, it hurts your feelings. It makes you mad. And at your size, man, it's, it's, it's critical. It's critical. 180,000 gross top line. I mean, you get, you don't get two checks. You got a problem. You can't pay your own light bill and your feed your kids at home. It's a big deal. So you really have to set this up front. A collections problem is not a collections problem that is solved by late fees. It's solved by selling the original account properly, setting the relationship up properly, not being smart aleck, but being very clear up front. I'm honored to be working with you guys, but I need you to clearly understand we are not big enough to be your bank. We can't hold your paper for 30 days. You got to cut me a freaking check. And you got to, and, and cause I can't handle it. I, I, you'll kill me over here, man. And, and my, my babies need to eat. And, and so when I send the bill, you got to like right then we got to, you got to turn it and, and we're not, we're not going to look up 60 days and I don't need late fees. I need money. So that, that you just set the tone on it. It changes everything when you do that. So very, very well done. Hey Hunter, you're in a really neat place in business. I had to learn that when I was at your size. And um, you can tell by the uh, smart aleck tone of my voice, I learned it thoroughly. So there you go. Hey, remember, better a wary warrior than a quivering critic. Leaders serve. Leaders are active, not passive. Leaders act on principle, not appearances. This world needs more high-quality leaders. So choose to lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast. <laughs>